When have you caused the most harm to yourself? Now I've got to a point where I'm just like, you know, I was trying to appease society, trying to appease my peers, my parents, um, without actually listening and checking in and going, well, what, what do you want? What, who are you? Hello, welcome back to We Dive Deeper. My name is Kate McGill and this is the podcast where small talk goes to die. Absolutely no small talk allowed here. I have 70 of my all-time favourite questions, each one as deep and as probing as the last, and my guests pick at random and then amazing conversation happens. I implore you to ask these questions to the people around you in your life because you... Just try it. Just give it a go. So I hope you guys all enjoyed Gabrielle's episode. And have you listened to her new song, Kintsugi? Oh my God, what a cool concept. And she's just announced a new album and she's touring. Again, how did I get lucky enough to have Gabrielle Aplin on the podcast? And if that wasn't enough, today I've got Josephine from fucking Oh Wonder. What the hell? I do wonder how that happened. Dan and I actually did our dual EP with Ant from Oh Wonder, um, and that was just around the time that they they were just about to release Body Gold, their first ever single. Um, and they showed us some songs in the studio, and they showed us all we do. And I just remember thinking, holy fucking crap, these are insane! Like what talented, talented songwriters and producers and everything in between and I haven't sat down with Jose properly since then like four or five years ago maybe so it kind of felt like we were meeting again as two new people because we've changed so much I imagine uh, in that amount of time so just so cool to sit down with her um, and she just makes me feel amazing which sounds so weird but I left there feeling so good about myself she has such an amazing energy and you cannot help but be infected by it and just want to be better and do better and feel good about yourself because she just makes you feel good about yourself we get into all things body image and diet culture and what it means to be a woman uh, a woman in the music industry confidence her wanting to be a paramedic we just go all in and it's such a cool conversation do not forget that you can get the last chunk of this episode and all other we dive deeper episodes exclusively on my patreon a week earlier than everyone else too uh, and at the end of this chat with Joe, we get into more of oh wonder and their new album what songs are on there what they're kind of about there's lots of user questions so not to be missed at patreon.com forward slash kate mcgill before we get into that chat i am gonna do review of the week and i've made my own theme tune up and it goes like this review of the week so now that that is over and done with uh review of the week is by jess grayley she made me feel amazing she says kate is an utter genius at everything she puts her mind to i think you're wrong there but i really really appreciate it i could have i could have gone my whole life without saying that bit of the review anyway i'm wasting more of your time i followed her music for quite a few years and didn't actually know it was kate behind her we dive deeper podcast series until she mentioned meadowlark in one of the episodes how crazy they were one of my fave bands when i was younger i was so amazed and now season two is out and i couldn't be happier by far my absolute favorite podcast series out there 100 percent worth a listen for some absolute truth and refreshing view on the hardships of life in love with everything you make when you were younger we've only been around for like five years how young are you still or how old are you i just don't know um but okay let's get on with conversation with josephine from oh wonder take it away that was weird has it changed how you live like day to day uh bigger than that i suppose yeah no it definitely has because mum anyway was like she was a monk she got like and yeah. what they called like an ashaya name or something so she went on like a mountain for three months in spain and she, she kind of was doing meditation and becoming like an awakened enlightened being for quite a while before wow. she died so she was teaching us as kids and definitely me because i was more on that wavelength about it so when she died and you're in the pits of grief and then other stuff that have happened since, it's 
the darkness that sounds way too like religious but the the pits of sadness kind of force you to do something with it you're just like I cannot be this sad forever like Mm. this this is not this I can't live like this so it kind of forced me into doing more of this stuff and forcing me to find different ways of being happy so doing more spiritual stuff and reading more books or whatever so Mm. it's definitely changed me as a human but I I wouldn't have got there if it wasn't for mum anyway and mum dying so it's all come full circle and and the more annoying part is that all the stuff that I'm learning now she effectively taught me and I just want to sit down with her and be like can you teach me more now like I really know it all and you'd be an incredible mentor but um but then there's I don't know how much I'm on board with the whole they're everywhere they're in everything even though everything in me kind of believes that you you when you obviously you get those really sad moments you're like well where the fuck is she then like Mm -hmm. send me a message from the beyond um but yeah I I think I think it's definitely changed me but in a good yeah of course it has in a good way Anyway, we've just started chatting about my mum. Welcome to the We Dive Deeper podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're so welcome. We're in, um, where actually are we? What's We're the... kind of on the edge of Lewisham and Brockley in South East London, yeah. This street, I mean, it says that, oh, there's going to be a lot of that. Um, <laughs> it said that this Airbnb is on Lewisham Way, but it looks like it's on Friendly Street. Yes. And I think that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, Friendly Street. Bangin Street. Everyone's actually pretty miserable down Friendly Street. Or at least there's a coffee shop where the guy's super grumpy. But anyway, we'll, we'll just say it's friendly for now. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so do you know how this works? Yes. 70 questions. Yes. And you're going to pick a number at random. Okay, go. 28. Did you have that prepared? It sounded mm. like you did. Yeah, it was very, very um, confident, yeah. that, wasn't it? No, not at all. Okay, we're going straight in. When have you caused the most harm to yourself? Oh my God. (laughs) Jeez. Um, That doesn't have to be physical, obviously. When have I caused the most harm? Oh my gosh, let me think about that. That's so so deep. That's like beyond deep. I don't think we've ever started with that question. When have I caused the most harm? I can can maybe help that along by telling you mine. Um, I guess it goes along the same lines of a question I asked on my Instagram yesterday, actually. What does self-sabotaging look like to you? Yeah. And my... I mean, I can cause harm to myself emotionally by beating myself up every day over something that's ridiculous. and Like food, for example, is a huge thing. But also physically, when it comes to... If I'm in a bad mood or... I've looked myself in the mirror and I don't think I look good, then I will go on a binge eating rampage. Yeah. And and I'm sat there like, I literally know that this is awful for me and I'm going to feel awful. And I do feel awful right now. Yeah. But I inflict all of that on myself for whatever reason. I haven't really, I guess, dug deep enough to think, why are you actually doing this? Yeah. But I, I pretty much cause that harm probably on a weekly basis yeah okay well okay I can I can mirror that and say I I used to do that um I guess it's yeah in my early 20s I really suffered with like self-confidence and self-worth and self-esteem and anything with the word self in it basically just didn't didn't I don't know where that came well I do know where that came from that's a whole another story but um yeah and used to use food as a vehicle for comfort and for for nourishment in like a in a very physical way, it was like I'm feeding myself, which means I lo- I must love myself because I'm. I think that's where all binging comes from is that you're there's a hole, which isn't actually hunger. It's a hole in yourself and your being and yourself self esteem, and you're just filling it with anything. And I know what that feels like to be like. I just need to put anything in my mouth and I'll feel better and there's no like end point there's no like goal there's like you pass hunger to the point where you feel a bit sick and you're like I'm still going but I definitely used to have that um for quite a few years in my early 20s and have since unraveled that and spent a long time unraveling that and working out why what my hole was everybody has their own reason for having a hole right and actually it's probably buried very 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 deep in your in how how you've been brought up as a kid and how you've been taught to love yourself or have you or if people around you loved you and nourished you and cared for you to enable you to care for yourself and um 
yeah, so I guess I've caused yeah myself harm by thinking that I'm not worthy or good enough, which I, which still happens, but way less frequently now. But it used to be like daily. Just thought I was awful. Where where did that come from then? <laughs> so um, oh man, There's, if you're willing, to yeah, no, I am. It's just a very it's a very macro thing. So I guess my whole. Um, thing that I'm dealing with at the minute is that I don't think I think now I'm finally the person I'm meant to be like as as of as of this year I feel like I'm now this is this is me and I don't mind that it's not like the most perfect version of a human and it's not necessarily the person I thought I would be but I'm okay with it and it's cool and I think I spent a lot of my my younger years trying to be somebody that I wasn't. Um, probably due to the fact, you know, my parents had really, really high ambitions for me. They wanted, you know, my life to look a certain way and me to, me to be a certain way. And as all parents do, they have... And it comes from absolutely a place of love. And they have high hopes for their kids, right? And I feel like it took me a long time to just be like well, thanks for that, but actually I'm just going to listen to myself for a minute. So I guess on a really like macro level, it came from trying to, to fit into a, a box that I, I didn't fit in. And that's that's loads of things. So that's like, I'll give you some, some tangible examples. So like um, uh, my parents always wanted me um, to go to university and um, study languages or be a lawyer or study English. Um, and music was always a hobby. So I was just not allowed to go to music college. I was not allowed to study music at school. I was just, like, forbidden. I tried to quit uni twice, three times, plagiarised, tried to get kicked out. Just wouldn't allow me to pursue music as a, as a career choice, which is pretty dark, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, so then I think that's one example. Another example is what we were talking about just now, like, about self-esteem. And I think being... I mean, I could talk about this forever, but being a woman growing up in the... 90s noughties and I think now we're getting to a point where it's a little bit it's certainly better it's on an upward curve but we grew up at the the, at the height of oh my god like thinness was just everything to be like a, like to aspire to that was it if you were thin thin equals beautiful and I am certainly like I look at that and laugh at that narrative now and I, I don't even engage with it in the world so I don't even see it I'm just like I don't have time for thinness equals beautiful it's a load of bullshit um I'm about like strong equals beautiful and I mean that physically and mentally but anyway so um so then live through you know my t- my teens I was like an I don't know an awkward teenager and I had I had really big boobs and I was like the tallest one in my class at age 11 and then I stopped growing basically from the <laughs> age of 11 and then was the really short one and just had like loads of issues with my body and inherited that from my mom and I think so that's another example of like trying to fit into a box that I'm not designed to fit in I'm I've never been the smallest person ever and my body I'm a woman freaking hell like I have a massive ass and I love it and now I've got to a point where I'm just like you know I was trying to appease society trying to appease my peers my parents um without actually listening and checking in and going well what what do you want what who are you I am five foot four um this is the size of my someone told me once they're like 80 percent of what you look like you can't do anything about it's just your genetics i.e the size of your hands the height the length of your legs the width of your shoulders your eyes your nose your mouth your teeth your face your ears your hearing your eyesight how you swallow how you breathe it's all that's us so like why do we try so hard trying to fix this 20% rather than being like, look what the 80% yeah. does. Like, I'm privileged, I'm able-bodied, I can walk, I can run, I can shout. I can, you know, like, we're just taught to focus in on the, I don't know. It's just, I have so many issues but with society and how we look at that. But that's, yeah, in answer to your yeah. question, how <laughs> I harmed myself. By your enthusiasm you. is infectious. Like, oh, even well. just listening to you, it's, I mean, I hate to say this cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It's a breath of fresh air to just hear someone be like, I fucking love my ass. And like, <laughs> I do. It's, it's really cool. That's amazing. Like, how did you get from that teenager yeah, well, to now then? Well, yeah, so that's like a... <laughs> You're like, well, that's where the work if is. If I had that answer, like, obviously I could bottle it and sell it mm. and I'd be a billionaire. But um, I think it's individual to everyone, which is... I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long thing, isn't it? So it's taken me a long time. But I think shutting off noise around you is, like, probably the first step. So, like, 
I don't know, I, I identified the people in my life that were having negative effects on, on me and how I felt about my body. So, like, for example, as I said, like, my mum, who was brought up from my grandparents, who lived through a war and had rations, and it was always about, you know, keeping the same weight, and if you put on a pound, you'd stop eating a biscuit. So my mum grew up with this idea of having to weigh the same weight her whole life. So she, you know, inherited that and gave that to me. And I used to weigh myself. I haven't weighed myself. Actually, I weighed myself the other day for the first time about two years, and I'm the heaviest I've ever been. But I'm also the fittest I've ever been and the strongest. Yeah, and definitely the, the strongest mentally as well, seemingly. Uh, yeah, and I, for the first time in a long time, look in the mirror. So it's, it's first the thing I, I think I did was shut off the noise about you have to weigh this much. You have to look like this. You have to be this size. You... Um, it's just, that's all crap. It's just, we've invented that to sell diet culture. The, the word diet, I've also... Oh, mate, I could go, I could talk about this no, in depth. No, please forever, do, but, it's fascinating. Um, also grew up, you know, with, like, I don't know, I, I, when I was a teenager, looking back, I was great. I was very healthy. I was, I was never really overweight, but for some reason was on, like, the Special K diet, age 14, and Weight Fuck. Watchers, age 6. I just had this complex that I was, it's body dysmorphia. I just thought I was really ugly and gross and needed to be really, really thin. And, um... Fortunately, that didn't ever tip into like, you know, I've got a lot of friends with eating disorders. Oh, well, it was disordered eating, I suppose, because you don't have a healthy relationship with food. But um, so I guess for me, it was about shutting down the idea of a diet. Like a diet is just the food that you eat. That's yeah. literally what the word means. Yeah. And shutting off the the constant bombardment from society about what we should and shouldn't be eating. Like... We're told all the time, like, don't eat this, avoid gluten, you shouldn't be eating pizza, don't eat ice cream, don't blah, blah, blah. And I think that's that's a real problem. Um, yeah, because once upon a time, like, it, everything was, like, low-fat, don't have oh, any right. fat, blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, you can have everything high-fat, just no sugar. It's like, well, fuck it, make your mind up. Yeah. No one really has a clue what they're doing. Literally. Like, I remember going to university and, and my friend eating an avocado, like, one of the first first terms at uni and I was like oh she's eating an avocado that's just fat because my mum had never eaten an avocado because she was so scared of them being high fat wow and I remember just like being like oh you can eat an avocado and and it's okay <laughs> like it's fine um so so yeah I think if we try to I mean it, it's, it's really easy to say when you're you get it from all angles but I think first off and foremost like just 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 ignore everything out there yeah and try and work out what it is that makes you feel good and I think at that point I then realized that and and also like it's it's like an all or nothing society we live in right we're either told like well you're either obese or you just eat lettuce and sit on a treadmill and they're the only two options that we have and actually if you apply that to how you live like nobody lives in you don't think you should live in all or nothing life I think it's about balance and not vilifying and making yourself feel bad for like... So anyway, my, my point is I, I worked out like what made me feel good. And I realised that actually eating birthday cake every day doesn't make me feel good. Right, okay. And I discovered movement and exercise and um, training and fallen in love with that. But not from like an obsessive um, view, not from a, a point where that's going to get me to an end goal. That's what it is. It's, okay, I have right. no end goal. Yes, yeah, I think you're completely right there. Do you, yeah. Yeah, only because I'm still probably very much in that figuring it out stage where yeah. you have been. Um, and I, every single time I have dieted, in inverted yeah. commas, I have done it purely to lose weight. And even now, mm. I know that if I were to do some better eating tomorrow... Um, I'd be doing it to lose weight. And and I know, I also know that that is not the right mindset. Yeah. And I know that there's a much healthier relationship to be had with food. I just have fucking no idea how to get there. Yeah. And so, you know, you recommended that Just Eat It book and there's yeah. that Body Positive Power, um, Megan Crab. And honestly, <laughs> you'll probably have heard this before. My main fear of reading the book about intuitive e of eating and stuff is getting fatter yeah and me being like 
Oh, it, you know, you can eat what you want. So I am going to have a Domino's for lunch and then a burger for dinner. Like, that's how I feel like this book's going to suddenly make me feel. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reluctant to read it because I don't want to put on weight. And so I need, I need to figure out how to let myself live mm. without... Like, weight is... And I think, you know, obviously it's tied into so many things Like you said, there are so many layers, like it's so ingrained in me to diet and to go off and on. Like my mom did that throughout her whole life. Yeah, because they grew up in that culture. Exactly. And it is learned behavior. Like you just follow the same thing. My siblings are in the same boat as me. And, um, you know, my mom was not a slim woman by the end of it. And you know that a lot of that kind of stuff could have caused a heart attack so that Mm. it's a lot more serious too but I think it's I don't know whether it's like an addiction or whether the pattern is so ingrained in me that I just physically don't know how to make a different one or or but then I get more frustrated with myself because it's like I was trying to explain this to someone the other day it's like I'm in the middle of the road and someone's like, there's a car coming. Like, just get out of the road, walk to the pavement. Mm. And I know exactly how to walk to that pavement. Yeah. And yet I just don't do it. Every day I fail and I get hit by but this truck. But when you say fail, so like, what, mm. so that's that's probably it. What, what does failure mean to you? Because when, when you set yourself up to so say, you say like, okay, today is Wednesday... And then you're like, oh, it's a write-off. I've had Domino's for lunch and a burger <laughs> for dinner. So me. It's a write-off. And then you'll be like, oh, be- I'll be better tomorrow. Or like next Monday. <laughs> next week, next year, it'll be fine. And um, so what what are you setting yourself up? What do you hope will happen the next day that you just won't have pizza and a burger? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I... Because I, like I said, I know that A to B and I, I'm... I'm trying to find foods that I like and so that it's fun to eat again. I can mm. have healthier things and enjoy it. So it's not... Because I think food as well is such a social thing for me. Oh, yeah. And growing up, it was like... Like, mum's house was the hub of everything. So people would just... The door would be open. People would come and there'd be gallons of wine and just food all the time. That's all gatherings were. It was just centred around food. And so I also think there's something in me that says if... Like, life will not be fun if I do not have this. And so this whole dieting thing or restricting myself or eating better looks like not fun. So there are so many layers that are stopping me from ever doing it because I don't want to take away the joy of life. And so, so yeah. So that you're, that's the all or nothing thing. Then. Yeah, totally. And I've so, never learned moderation. But actually, if you look at any, well, certainly the, the slim people say slim, like not like saying that slim is better, but if we're talking about yeah. about size, the slim people that I know are the biggest food lovers I've ever met. They're people that will have pudding after every meal. They won't worry about going out for wine. And that is because I truly... Like, the people say, like, the, the Italians, like, the Mediterranean diet. It's a little bit of everything. Right. And we do live in this culture that's like, well, you... No, 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 no. It's all or nothing. You can't... No. If you're going to be on a diet, and I use that in, in quotation marks because <laughs> yeah. I disagree with the word, um, you can't have burger and pizza and wine and social gatherings and fun. But, like, of course you can. You yeah. can... You just don't do it every day. Yeah. Because I, I think anybody would get... Wouldn't I? I mean, I would get sick of completely like I don't know indulging every single day because it's like anything in life if you do if you I don't know go on holiday every single day of your life and sit by a pool in the sun with your toes in the sand there'll be a point when you're like yeah no I'm bored with this now. yeah like we're not designed to do the same thing every day yeah and it is as well it's that thing as well isn't it if if you had full rain and you someone just like yeah okay well your weight's probably not going to be affected now. You can eat whatever the fuck you want. Just eat whatever makes you feel good eventually. Figure that out. Mm-hmm. Then you probably would only have a pizza once every week or something and it would it would feel good. And it would be, but as soon yeah. as it's taken away from you, you're like, God, I want it more and I need it. And and so, but this is what's frustrating me is because I fucking know, you know all this, this stuff. I've learned it over time and time again of going through the same motions and yet, I just can't How seem you... to fucking get out of it. What would you? What advice would you give to to me? Basically, give me advice. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, I I am also not equipped to give advice because I am not a professional in any any standards. And also, like my journey will be totally different. From True, yours. but emotionally, but emotionally, I would say, yeah. As I say, like I I kind of like I stopped living in this fantasy land in denial, where I was like. 
if I were this weight or this size, I would be happier. Right. And that, it's easy to say that, but it, it, it I don't know. I like, I've, I, I just, I've, I've learned to, ex- it's, it's accepting where you are okay. and not living in a state of like, yeah, but, but if I do that tomorrow and then I do it, then this equals happiness. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just, that's, that's really still unhelpful because it's so vague, isn't it? No, but I also, I, I also really fell in love. I mean, and this is different for everybody, but I fell in love with just the science behind nutrition. And, really? That is helpful, isn't it? And exercise and just tried to work out because I feel like Britain especially is really bad at food education. And uh, we don't get taught like what's actually good for you. And we don't get taught how to cook and we don't get taught how to enjoy food. We just get told from all angles, this is what you shouldn't eat and this what... But it's it's not... It's prescriptive rather than allowing you to, I don't know, revel in it and yeah. revel in the joy of it and the joy of eating. So I guess, I don't know, like how... Just, what did I... I'm trying to like think, like how... It's a, it's such a slow burner. Yeah, it's like, it's, it cannot be fixed overnight, can it? And I think once you resign yourself to the fact that it's not an overnight fix, and actually, ultimately, look, I'm not going to lie, it takes a lot of hard work, not just emotionally, but physically. Like, I, 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 I have to say to myself, no, I'm actually, I'm not going to have that pudding because I right. don't need it because okay, I'm right. full. So I, I do, I, I say deprive myself of things. I don't deprive myself of certain things, but every day I won't, I, I listen, I just listen to my body and go like, what do I actually want? Do I actually, will I actually enjoy that pudding or am I just eating? Cause I want like, I yeah. just, oh, I need a pudding. Okay. Right. But that's still unhelpful. No, but- <laughs> I, I really don't think it is. Cause I think that even just hearing you say that you've got to this point after very clearly having a time where you were very much not at that point, mm. it's really comforting and inspiring to see that that can be done very Mm. clearly so I can do it and it sounds like that way is just so much healthier mentally and physically so I know that it can happen and I I think you know everyone is on their own journeys and they're going to be very different and it's not going to happen overnight and stuff but I've no doubt that all of my (laughs) crazy food issues over the past few years are what's going to get me to this of bit eventually where I'll of figure course. it out. But but beyond the food thing, I think the most important thing is is falling in love with your body in whatever way that looks like. And that sounds really silly. Like you just <laughs> grimace. Yeah. You're like, oh, really? I have to love my body? Yeah. But like that came first for me. Okay. Is, is falling in love with it at whatever stage it was. And then now I, f- I fall in love with my body in a way that's like, and still daily I do because... Um, I found that for me, exercise makes me feel I'm zinging. I like go for a run or I sweat or I lift some really heavy weights and I'm zinging and my body's getting bigger. I'm getting muscly and I can lift like an extra whatever kilos at the gym. That's what I focus on. It's nothing to do with actually what I look like. Not actually, if I look at what gives me joy now, it's a feeling of like, I'm strong. I, and that's what I think personally latched onto is more like not from an aesthetic point of view, but how do I want to feel? I want to feel like, like I'm invincible and like I'm capable and like just because, you know, they're going to ask someone to lift something, why are they going to ask a guy? I can do it just as good as you. Right. Like that's what drove me personally. Yeah. So it wasn't, I stopped worrying about what I looked like. Yeah. And went like, how do I want to feel? I want to feel strong. I want to feel empowered. I want to feel like I've worked really hard at something and I can, you know, and, and physically like exercise is so good for you. It releases indoor. I know we know all this, we know all this, but it's finding, I don't know, something that, that, that gives you joy. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think, um, do you think a lot of like social media, did you like what do they call it? Like curate your social media feed, like stop following people that are going to make you feel awful about yourself. Yeah. Or did you, I guess you never really did that anyway. No, I did. I did do that. I think probably. Um, but I've kind of just learned to, I can't really, it's really hard to, like I, I actually don't care what anyone else looks like. I really have. And I think when you realize that you then realize no one cares what you look like. Yeah. See, I think I definitely know that. And I know this because, you know, watching my mum go through her relationship with food Mm. and how badly she felt about herself and all the things that she was doing to combat that, 
And the whole, meanwhile, I'm just like, I couldn't give less for shit. Like, you're just mum. Like, And I bet you thought she was beautiful. Oh, 100%. Like, the most beautiful woman on earth. It's amazing. And so, like, I also know that... And beautiful because of her personality. Exactly. What she gave to people, Mm -hmm. how she made you feel, her presence. And so I know that people will feel that about me, too. Mm. And so I'm definitely... I'm better than I used to be. Like when it comes to inner self-talk, I don't beat myself up. Even if I look at myself in the mirror and I do grimace, I'm like, ooh, okay, right. I I won't let myself sit there and be like, you fucking ugly bitch. Yeah. I'll and never not, do that. Not to say that like, I still have days where I'm like, man up, poor, I'm just, I'm gross. But that's, yeah. of course, everybody has <laughs> yeah. that. But you also want to, as you say, like balance it yeah. with, oh, okay, you're looking absolutely fire today. Yeah. And whatever that is, if that's like your hair's beautiful, or, I don't know, that's totally. so cheesy. No, but, but it's, it you matters. have to latch onto the small things in order to appreciate the whole picture. Totally. And so it, however hard, and so I'm kind of forced myself to be like, yeah, rather than being like, okay, I don't like X, Y, and Z. I'm, I always stand in the shower every morning and I'm like, thank you that I can walk yeah. <laughs> and that I can breathe and like I've got limbs. And like, so I kind of want to try and see my body in that way rather than, you know, it putting on weight and stuff. So I'm, I'm desperately trying to see my body in a different way. Um, but I think as well, the music industry just doesn't help. I think you must get this, being a woman in it, it's it's so focused on how you look so ridiculously focused on how you look and so and and especially like my peers or the people in our kind of field I say ah like I'm putting myself with you I mean you're in my field you're musicians (laughs) you're right song same same but like they're all and I know size isn't a thing but they're all much smaller petite women painful and I'm just like fuck me I am not that like in any way and so and I'm I'm sure it it made a difference with how I wanted to mm. perform and what I want to wear. And when it came to gigs, I was like, it, it would almost affect the way that I did the gig, the way that I saw, you know, I'd be like, try and make myself feel good or look good by putting on something nice, then be like, hmm, I don't think I look very good. I think I look quite fat. So I'm just going to go in like a really baggy t-shirt and I just, I'll be really chilled at the gig. I won't really care much of like it will affect everything um my mum always used to say she was like Kate I've watched you go through many different relationships and many different like I'm a prostitute but um (laughs) not many different but as in many scenarios within my relationship at the time and she was like when you feel down about yourself it's always directly correlated to your weight and as soon as your weight Mm. goes up it affects your life and you become a very insecure and person. So I know that it's, it, it has actually affected every area of my life. And I think that's, that's something that I'm just like, fuck this. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I can combat everything. I've become, I've learned so much emotionally, but this is one thing that just seems to hold me back somewhat everywhere. So why, but why, why do you want to, so do you want to lose weight for yourself because you think you feel better when, like what, like why? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good question. Probably because, yeah, having just worked towards that all your life, you just seem to always think that this thing is going to be the be all and end all. So do you and make think you you'll happier? be happier or you'll be a better person or you'll be kinder or better at your job? Or... Well, I'd hope that if I achieved that my relationship with food would be better and I it would just not creep into every other area of my life like I kind of see it as like a hang on this is your podcast I'm meant to be no but so what you've just put the end goal and you you didn't you you just said um I feel like if I lost weight then my relationship with food would be better right Mm -hmm. but surely that the losing weight part is the irrelevant bit of that sentence you just (laughs) want a better relationship with food yeah so weight actually has nothing to do with that that's what I think like weight's weight is so arbitrary like it literally doesn't matter how much you weigh or what size you are or how many inches your thumb measures like it's so irrelevant yeah what the the goal for you then is to have a better relation well I don't know maybe it's not but like no I think you're right I think I think you're I think there are there are other things definitely in like my past relationship my ex was very um he loved fitness and had such a good relationship with food and that was a big part of him and what he wanted our future to be and that was Mm. definitely something that I couldn't I just wasn't good at and so there's definitely that as well I'm like 
I have a definitely a deep rooted thing of if I gain weight or if I'm not good, if my relationship with food isn't good or whatever it is, then I am not worthy of love or there's definitely that element to it too. Yeah. But I know that that's bullshit. Like I'm fully aware that is absolutely a crock of shit, but I'm just wondering where the hell do I start unpicking all this? (laughs) You know? It's a lot, and so I don't expect you to just come up with an answer. <laughs> You're right, though. It is, it's so intertwined. Mm-hmm. And actually, if, probably then, the reason why I now have a healthy relationship with food, and I say healthy in that I, I'm not scared of food, of any foods. I enjoy eating food. I feel like that's, that's the base level. Like You've got to enjoy eating food. You don't have to, but be allowed to enjoy eating food and, and eat all foods. But um, it's so intertwined with... with Stuff that's not related to food or your body. It's just like what you're going through in your life and using food as a vehicle for, I don't know, it's a constant, isn't it? So one thing that we do every day is have to feed ourselves. Yes. So you, you cling on to, you, we cling on to that. Um, no matter what happens, I've, I've fed myself and I've had a good lunch and it's okay. So like, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It becomes an anchor of, of stability, I suppose. And yet, it creates such instability. It's, but also, none, none of this is any of our fault. It's freaking... I don't even know who's... I just get angry. I'm like, why, why have we been born into this world where, like, what you look like is so freaking important? I it, know. It actually... It's, it's really, really sad. And I'm so sad. sad. I'm sad for everyone that feels this way. And I'm sad for me. Just, you know, like... Because I personality wise I really like myself I think I'm great that's the most important thing (laughs) and I know that I very much know that so I've got this so like fair play to you like that's that's massive to be like actually I like myself yeah that's amazing yeah congratulations thank you when did you realize that um have you always known that you were you were cool (laughs) (laughs) you were cool with yourself Uh, but that's yeah yeah everyone has flaws and issues and weird bits but you're okay with it yeah and someone I can't remember who told me this but someone because before like last year was a really bad year definitely in terms of self-esteem I probably wouldn't have said this last year but someone said that a good way of building self-worth is to do things for other people when no one else is around and you don't get any credit for it. You don't tell anyone that you've done anything. Mm. So that in those moments where you're doubting yourself, you can be like, I know that I am a good person. Even, mm. even if that is selfishly, there is no selfless act or whatever. But even if that's selfishly to build self-worth, it, you get so much from helping people anyway. Of course, that, it, yeah. that it's such a nice way to be like, I'm clearly a good person. I help people and I try not to get credit for it. <laughs> so I can't remember <laughs> where I felt that. But um, I think actually going through grief and like breakups and whatever it is and all the work that I have been doing actively and consciously has made me see myself in a very different way and be like you know what you had a lot on your plate and you still absolutely tried your best and you're still trying and I'm and I know that if that was anyone else any of my friends I'd be like fuck yeah you are great that's um, that's all you can ask for is Mm -hmm. to just do your best and exactly yeah, not put this unattainable... Perf- like, Jesus, like, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, we don't focus enough on the, the, the bit. I'm, I'm, I'm so, like, thrilled to hear that you, you, you're able to, to objectively analyse, like, the, the, the amazing milestones that you've made in terms of your, I don't know, relationship with yourself and the world. And you've gone through, like, some dark shit and you're still here. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. So you know the number on a scale is like in my opinion so irrelevant like it literally doesn't matter yeah i i mean i I know it does i know it no it doesn't though it actually do you weigh yourself no good don't do that in fact i nearly started to a couple of months ago but it's it's just stupid and it becomes obsessive and it's just i just it's just how i feel really yes exactly i really really think do you like yourself do i like myself as a human Mm -hmm. um yeah I'm all right <laughs> what are your top five qualities oh my god oh see no I get I'm really I'm really really bad at um well you're gonna give it a go oh, okay I'm gonna give it a go my top five qualities I am <laughs> look at me here like oh look everybody should love themselves no, no um what my five qualities are I would say I'm intelligent I am um 
I project confidence. I hope that I would, or my friends would say that I um, inspire them. Um, I'm very supportive. Like, if anyone's got a plan, I'm like, great, let's execute it. I'm very up for for getting stuff done, and I'm very, I work really hard. Look at you go! Oh my god, I'm I'm so fabulous. You just nailed that, <laughs> and you are so friendly. And oh, I feel like oh, I could friendly just... street. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I forgot about that. I could tell you anything. You're an absolute joy to talk to. Oh, thanks, man. You too. Okay, now five worst qualities. Oh, that's you're what? like wow. Oh. <laughs> Um, my five worst qualities. I'm very impatient. Um, my five worst qualities. I'm very impatient. I, I have a real issues with control. I don't like being told what to do. I have a real hard time with that. Um, and I don't, I, I also really struggle with, um, incompetence. <laughs> Really? Just like if it's on my like, I guess when you when you run a business and you're like paying someone to do a job and they don't do it very well, I'm like, come on, come on! I'm literally giving you all the help here, and you're just not in it. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't. Oh man, my worst quality. This isn't a quality. Though. I was about to say I don't. Pra- I don't practice the piano enough, but that's not a quality. <laughs> I'm uh, I procrastinate then let's put it that way and um I I used to be I would have said this up until about six months ago I said I'm really actually quick to judge is probably my worst flaw oh interesting I've been working on that so I feel like it's I'm that's less of a thing you seem very self-aware then as a human being you seem like you have taken a look at all angles of yourself and how you are with people and oh yeah that's amazing because a lot of people don't don't do that. Yeah, I probably overanalyze though. I'm I'm Same. a big fan of, of psychoanalysis on myself Same. and other people. I'm always like, um, which I think is is if you're like that, that's really that's a healthy thing. Some people are avoidant and don't like talking about their feelings and themselves, and that's also great. Like, there's no right or wrong. Um, but it's yeah, learning to embrace all the facets because nobody's perfect, right? Everybody has. No, I think I said this on another podcast actually. Like, I find it impossible to hate or judge anyone really these days even when it even the worst of the worst like murderers pedophiles I just I can't because I'm like if if I'd have lived their life the exact same way the same triggers the same parents Mm. I'd do the same do you know what I mean and it's just it's really hard to judge people when you can see life just like that we're just human beings the Mm. sum total of what we have done and learned and we're just acting on these impulses and triggers that we have like programs you know how can you judge people for that all you all you can do is hope that they learn and be kind to them but like hating people and just be you know like when you see facebook comments on like i don't know videos of a fight or whatever and then they're just kind of like fuck that guy I'd strangle him in prison what do you mean they yeah. just they're just as bad and I'm like well that's not gonna help is yeah, it yeah that's so true that's so that I think that's what I've been learning I feel like I feel like if you have that as a younger person you're very wise because mm-hmm. I think we're we're told to like I don't know we're, aren't we aren't we ingrained to judge people like do you know the novel Mary Shelley's Frankenstein there's that tiny kid and he's like fearless of the creepy scary monster and it's only when he is told by the the, the mum or the family member or some person in the, in the community like no 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 you need to be scared of that that man he's horrible that then the kid becomes like really fearful and runs away he's like oh you're a horrible monster like we're taught to judge by by the world that's how the world functions we, we judge each other all the time but you're right like people that do bad things or just like that you know like even I, I maybe didn't judge like on that macro level but on a micro level like I'd get really annoyed if I went into a shop and I'm I'm always like very chatty in a shop I'm like hello how's your day going what's up and if people are just like I don't know like sat there like, yeah you're right or they're on their phones or they're disengaged I used to get really like annoyed um, and then I'm like, people, people might have had a really crap day, like just on a, they might have woken up on the wrong side of the bed and received some bad news and they don't want to be sat in a shop serving me <laughs> yeah. 
tomatoes like whatever yeah. like you know like yeah. why are they gonna be jolly yeah yeah I, I still think all these things i just yeah. i think as soon as soon as you think it you just can't yeah you do exactly that you're like oh come on like she's so you, unhelpful actually yeah um so compassion it's like compassion for yourself and other people i feel like that's like a constant journey that everyone's on hell yeah and I hope, I would hope that when we're really old and wrinkly, we'll just be like, everyone is great. I'm yeah. amazing. Like, I'd love that. Yeah, that would be really cool. I, I think we're basically there. We yeah. could run the world. <laughs> okay, let's go for another question. Oh, God, there's another one. Right, okay. Oh, there's more. There's more where okay. this came from. Hit me. Oh, you, you have to pick a number. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I forgot about that bit. <laughs> what about number um, 41? Okay, 41. What have we got? Is there anyone you regret losing touch with? Oh, that's, um, oh God, yes, but no. Who have I regretted losing touch with? <clears throat> no, no. Do you, are you a person that has regrets? Are you like one of those people that's like, what's the point in having mm, them? I used to, but same, just what we were talking about. Like I, I, regrets, all your actions in a previous life came from somewhere. So you can't feel bad at having behaved like that or like wish that you hadn't because that was the only path that that was you were destined to behave like that yeah um so I would have said I had regrets but yeah it's easy to say that isn't it Mm -hmm. I wish I'd stood up for myself a bit more and just gone fuck you I'm being a musician but um I didn't and but I'm I'm here now so it's fine it worked out pretty well (laughs) what point did you um were you kind of like right well screw what everyone else thinks I'm just going for it with music um and what were your parents eventually I guess they had to come I'm painting my parents to be these like oh no I've met your mum she's the most wonderful human being on the planet lovely 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 people but they just um they just always always hoped I'd not do music and do something else I don't know why but anyway um probably when I met Anthony he was um he was just a man on a mission like from the I met him when he was 20 21 and he was just like there was no other way he was like I'm doing I'm doing music that's it like why would you ever second guess that or think otherwise why would you have a backup he's like don't ever have a backup plan that's just not a thing and um he really really helped reshape how I viewed just like ambition and and the idea that anything was possible actually um and he was like at that time like a big fan of The Secret and had like read the book and we went to this like workshop. I remember like when I met him like this, probably the third time I ever met him he was like come to this like cool workshop and we went to this like creepy room in a basement in London and there was this man that was like you can be anyone and I was just like why what is this weird cult you've taken me to but I think he was instrumental probably in in, in allowing me to believe that I was good enough to do it or like allowed to do it. I don't know, he just, yeah, he, he just gave me the space to, to be myself, I suppose. And he, he made me, like, quit my job. He was like, don't have a job, just have no money. Don't, don't, don't have money and do something you don't like. Just have no money and, like, live, you know, I just live with, I continue to live with my parents all through my early 20s, even though all my friends are, like, moving out and having a good time. And I was like, no, because then I'd have to get a job. <laughs> Jobs are, no, I shouldn't say this, I shouldn't, but it's different for everyone, but. He was just like, yeah, go if you want to do music, do music. It's not, it's no. That brainer. must have been so inspiring at that time, having gone from like a no, I can't, I've got to do X, Y, and Z. Music's just a hobby, and then someone just being like, oh fuck it, like just do it, quit your job, do it, do it yeah. with me. That must have been incredible to go from that to it that. It was very liberating, actually. Um, yeah, really liberating. I'm very grateful to him perennially for that which is why if anybody ever come like I still have friends now and I get like the older you get the more responsibilities you have in your life and it's very easy to sit here and be like oh but I need the money and I need this and but I have so many friends that like hate their jobs and I'm just like life is so short why would you wake up and 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 not even try to change your situation like I get it like people have to do like even I have to do all the time things I don't want to do but at least I'm working towards a higher goal which is like you know, I'm going to try not to do the things I hate and, and try and, and make myself feel better and nourish myself and do things I enjoy. Like, that's surely the end goal. Maybe not for everyone. I have to also recognise that some people aren't ambitious and are very happy where they are, and that's also amazing. But for me, I was like, if there's something someone wants to do, you just kind of have to go and do it. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll just be living in this tent of despair where you're like, oh, I could have done it, but I didn't. I just, I don't know. 
I don't know. I totally, I agree. Do you? Yeah, although I, I definitely used to be so much more ambitious than I am. I feel like the older I've gotten, got, um, I feel like priorities have changed and I just yeah. don't seem to care. I think maybe when I got into music, you know, like if, I think everyone's lying if they say when you very, very the beginning start music, you don't think about money or like, oh, it would be cool to be known or whatever. But fucking a year or two into it, I was like, oh my God, that would be the worst thing ever. I would hate to be famous. Oh God, yeah. Um, so definitely like it changed then and then it was just about music and that's when it was just fun. But now, I don't know how you feel about touring and stuff like that, but I, I just hate touring so much. Um, I just, I think, you know, probably, again, the weight stuff has to has a lot to do with mm. it. People take photos, I just feel awful about oh, myself yeah. after. It's the worst angles from below. Um, but I think it's, I'm not sure that I I can be present really so I just I feel anxious throughout the day mm. because I'm worrying about you know nothing important what the hell was that I don't know hello <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I'm just worrying about crap that's not important I'm not I'm I'm anxious about the show because I always just get really nervous um and the meeting people after just makes me feel awful too. Like I, I honestly just want to go and sit in a room by myself and like not talk to anyone. Like, and I know mm -hmm. that sounds horrible because no, people are just kind of like, you know, naturally they'd like to meet you. They like your music and I'm all for that in any other scenario. <laughs> but after a gig where I've been so nervous, I just want to be alone. I don't even want to be yeah. near Dan or anyone. So there are so many parts of it that I just don't enjoy. And then obviously we, we had never really progressed venue wise. Like we've stayed in the same venues for like five years mm. and that's hard. That's hard to play the same music to, to a small group of people and not see any growth in something that you love. Yeah. And, um, and I think so a lot, a lot has to be said for that too, which means there is no budget and everything is, everything's DIY so you're lugging up the heaviest stuff up and down flights of stairs and you have to sleep in a travel lodge with two guys who snore like there's just <laughs> there are so many parts of it that I'm like oh no I just want to be at home like in my own space and and so I think over the years there was definitely a period of my life where I absolutely loved it and I'd yeah. have been like American tour would have been my dream but now yeah. I'm like fucking hell I don't know if I can think of anything worse I don't, <laughs> I don't know when it changed but you do you have a similar view with touring I do yeah do I you? think um I think it's hard for people to admit that because they almost feel guilty for not enjoying a part of this lifestyle very true I think touring as a whole is it, I think it's weird because when you set out as a musician you set out with a view that like you love writing music you love performing music and and that's kind of that's all you're aware of really and then you find yourself in the middle of nowhere in Alabama and you're in a hotel room on your own and it's like one in the morning and you're really tired and you haven't eaten anything and you're just eating a bowl of mashed potato on your own surrounded by 12 boys and you're like sorry what am I doing here I just like writing songs why am I what is this so I totally relate I think touring is touring is in itself like the most unhuman thing I think you can do because you're effectively isolated from normal life for long periods of time you're surrounded by people um what is weird like obviously they're my friend I'm paying them like I'm that's paying weird, people to be yeah. around me that's really weird really and uncomfortable weird. I'm their boss I'm their employer anything that goes wrong is my fault like that's horrible they're predominantly all men like unfortunately the music industry is still very male dominated and that really annoys me but I'm doing my best to try and hire women where possible and and encourage women to get involved in not even necessarily the performing side, but all the other, like lighting and sound. It's like so exciting. Um, or tour managing or whatever that is. Like touring is, is super incredible. And I don't know why there aren't more women, but that's another conversation. But um, And then on top of that, you're then having to deliver, be your best self every night of the week, which is unnatural for anyone. But you, you have to be your best self look your best self and stand on a stage in front of thousands of people 
sing brilliantly because everybody's paid 25 pounds to watch you sing and saved up all their hard-earned money which i know people like it's not it's a luxury going to a concert it's entertainment they've been waiting for it there's the anticipation it's literally on you to deliver that and fulfill that need that is in someone because they want to go to a live show and, and release and experience euphoria or sadness or whatever it is they're there that's on you then you have to deliver a good show then you have to come off and people then want another little piece of you and 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 which is incredible because uh that's also why you make music is to, well why I do anyways is to have that connection with other why I tour anyways to have a connection with other people but that is exhausting because you're just basically being told how brilliant you are for an hour which I really don't like <laughs> to do it. and it's very one-sided the whole thing so you're giving yourself over to people you're getting a lot of energy back, but it's all about you. And that is very dangerous because then you become very... I became, I, I'm super insular on tour. Like, I don't... I just hang out by myself the whole time. Um, and same as you. Like, all I want to do after I play a show is process what's just gone on. I've got so much energy. So, um, in the last tour, I basically just put on it... Because I had so much energy and you're performing so late at night. The whole thing's nocturnal. It's all very, like, abnormal. I just used to put my running kit... And I'd literally run through the venue. No one would recognise me or notice me because I'm in, a, in like, my running kit and just run run around the venue, like, 50 times. That's <laughs> amazing. Just to but get rid of all my energy, but then also just not be present in that space and just, like, try and process it away from what... So, anyway, touring is really weird. And it's exhausting. It's the most difficult part of the job because... We've been on tours where, like, you'd average about two and a half hours sleep a night for seven days, and then you still have to be on. No. And people assume they're like, all oh, my friends are like, how's first class? And I'm like, you think I'm, what? You know. Like, you think I'm just uh, chilling with my butler, like, yeah. sleeping in beautiful, whatever, hotels all the time. Like, there's, there's, same thing, like, you're lugging gear. Like, we, when you tour Asia and Australia, I can't, I can't afford to pay like all these people to lug 60 cases of luggage around. So we'd get our crew to do it, but each of us is doing two trolleys between terminals into a bus, unloading into the hotel, going to the, like we're working hard and then having to do interviews and press. And then someone recognizes you in the street and they're like, Oh my God, I need to tell you my story. And you're like, I really want to hear your story, but I also haven't eaten in eight hours and I'm a bit grumpy. And And then you come across a bit grumpy and then you read tweets being like, wow, Josephine was a bit cold. And you're like, I'm not cold, I'm just really tired. I want to sit down and see my mom and hang out with my friends and I'm missing my best mate's birthday. And But you're also touring the world, singing your songs to people. And that's unbelievable. I just say for that hour on stage, I would, any 23 hours of hell is fine. Really? Yeah. Do you, you love performing Oh, that much? My, and that's the only reason that we tour is because really? we... And, and, and comparatively would say that he loves touring. Like, it's absolutely his, his thing. Like, he would just do that forever. But um, I really, st- I really struggle with uh, the the other twenty three hours of the day and the pressure that's on you to just constantly be 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 good, which nobody ha- like in normal life. You just your mates are like, do you want to come out? And you're like, actually, I just think I just need to sit at home, and just watch a bit of telly and yeah. cook myself some pasta and just be okay, like be okay yeah. with that. And you don't, you can't do that. And it's so unusual as well because it's not like all of your friends or your close friends can understand everything that you're going through or have been there. It's that relatable because it's so many, not many people do exactly what you do in the same band, in the same bus. Like it's all so specific to you and mm. your your situation that not many people can understand. So it's also kind of isolating too. Um, and then is it when you kind of come back from tours, do you find it hard to adjust back to normal life? Or are you kind of like, oh, thank God, like I get some home time? Yeah, like- I'm probably the latter. Um, but also then find it difficult to, to people say like, how was tour? And you just go, yeah, it was great. Because like, how do you <laughs> distill, if you don't know what touring's like, it's really difficult to distill it down into actually how you feel about it because and it's really weird like I guess if if before I knew what touring was it just seemed like like the bet like the best holiday it like literally the best holiday you're you're going around the world and you're singing every night songs that you've written people are singing them back to you you get to meet all kinds of people experience all kinds of cultures it's the best holiday and it feels really funny saying that it's not a holiday. It's like, <laughs> I still have friends that are like, how was your holiday? I'm like, yep, my holiday was good. <laughs> not a holiday, but sure. And 
it's a it's a weird it's a weird space to inhabit. But um, see, so yeah, we're at the point now of like being like how because we're off on can I say that off on tour uh, next year. Um, so just trying to work out how best to to make sure that it's sustainable for our physical and mental health. And, and I don't just mean me and, me and Anz, I mean, like, the whole crew and everybody. Like, you, everybody needs to be looked after. Yeah. I was talking to Woody from Bastille, and he was mm. saying they've got a general rule of three weeks on. They can only ever do three weeks. That's their max. And then they'll have time oh, off to make good. sure that they have with their friends and family, which I thought was really good. But I wonder whether it's... Do you get to a certain level where you can start saying that stuff or whether it's still kind of decided you can, for you? You can say that we've had that control from the start. Right. But yet we've still done three-month tours. And I don't, <laughs> looking back, I look You're back like, and I'm why like, why, why? Because also, like, I feel like everybody's thing is different. But we came from a place where, like, ev- I've, I still am in that place. Everything's a bonus. Right. Because, like, when you don't ever think that you'll be able to viably tour and then, it, and then you start being able, you're like... We can go to China. We what? can go anywhere. We can go anywhere. Like, and people obviously offer shows and you're like, yes, we'll do it. You, there's no like thought about it. You're just like, this is so exciting. Yeah. And then you find yourself on a three month long tour without having a sit down, doing five shows in a row and then just being physically so burnt out. But that's a good three weeks. Yeah, we, we, we're going to do um, no more than, we don't do more, no more than three shows in a row. Amazing. With that's... a day off. And the day off has to be like stationary in, in a place. Like you can't be traveling. It's like you've got to be a hotel in a city so you can just be normal for a minute. And um, I think we'll do, I mean, it's gonna, look, I say, I say it like it's going to happen, but it will be harrowing, I'm <laughs> sure. Because you just get too caught up in it and really excited. Because yeah. it is it's also equal parts. Yeah, I bet. Insane. It's so insane. It feels really weird to think about it now I'm not. There? yeah when you're not in it how do you mentally prepare for a tour then knowing like what do you do what do you physically do to be like right how can I make this better for me in the next coming weeks months um what do I do I suppose because like, I'm wondering whether I'd set up phone calls with like my family each <laughs> Tuesday like or something um no I'm really bad at that because touring is such a bubble isn't it mm-hmm. um and you're on on time zones a lot of the time so you can't becomes really hard i i went through a phase of like trying to take up a hobby on each tour really yeah that's cool it didn't transpire to, to much though i'm still really bad at a lot of things <laughs> but um what did you try um just try to like i like i start i got really into knitting on one tour why can i so imagine you I doing know, that it's so therapeutic um really bad knitted a really wonky scarf and then gave <laughs> up um the only thing that keeps me sane is is is, is uh, that's probably a lot of it. Exercise right. keeps me really because that is actually, if I think about it, the only hour in the day where I'm just on my own doing what I want, and it's yours, and it's for you, and it's for and it's your nobody brain. Nobody else's, yeah. and that's that's probably where I get my most joy. Or like I exercise every day on tour, no matter where we are, or just move. Because also it's so sedentary, or just sat down the whole time. Just waiting for something all yeah. the time. Um, so I do that, and I watch a lot of TV, which is <laughs> probably really bad. But um, I got really, I watched like, man, so much Grey's Anatomy. Really? series. Signed up to be, I'm doing a paramedic science degree this year. <gasps> I did read this somewhere, Open didn't I? University, I've signed up for it. So Fucking that's what hell. I'll be doing this year on tour, is doing doing a paramedic science degree, thanks to Grey's Anatomy. I want to be a paramedic, so. Um, you've got to keep stimulated somehow, man. It's That is insane, though. That is amazing and admirable and inspiring. Now I well, know why you'd say your friends are always inspired by you. <laughs> no. Oh, no, they're not inspired by me. I just hope I encourage my friends to be the... Like, you're inspiring me. No. <laughs> you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's amazing, though. As in, like, what, you have to take like, loads of books with you and do a science so it's and all shit? Yeah, it's, it's all online. So it's Open University, which is an amazing thing. You can study anything you want, and it's all online learning. It's pretty cool. That is so it takes cool. six years part-time. Oh, my God. <laughs> or you can do it in, like, the normal three yeah. years full-time, but um, I feel like it's, like, 18 hours a week like part-time I feel I, that still feels like quite a lot to me yeah it's, it's a hell of a hours lot a day. wait so does that mean then are you kind of preparing for a time where you can be like just be stop paramedic yeah is that ah. like something you want to do uh, no I don't want to do it ah. but um as in I think I'll always make music always 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 just because I need to like it's I, in the same way I need to breathe I need to write songs I don't necessarily need to perform them I just need to cr- create um but I think, 
it uh, this is probably also stemmed from like so do you ever feel like as a musician it's like quite a self-indulgent thing yes so i think probably i'd like to hope that there'd be an end goal of like giving back and like adding value to other people in a real tangible way like music does of course it does but it's very intangible because you don't actually you never touch or meet or see the person that well you do at gigs but like it's not but I know what you mean yeah it's not the same thing it's a vehicle for change and a force for good and I definitely believe that but it's not um as as direct as maybe like literally saving someone's life oh my god I literally get shivers thinking about being like if you just like I don't know, like cut your leg open. I'd be like, don't worry about it. I've got it. Yeah, I know like what to how do. How cool would that be? Oh, it'd be so cool. And you could be like the the on tour paramedic. You'd know, always just right? be there. I'll be that person. You know, they they hire like the ambulance crew at the gigs. They're like waiting for people. And that's where I'm going to cut it short today, folks. But you can get the last bit of that episode on my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Kate McGill for as little as $1. So sign the hell up and enjoy the last bit of that episode. How wonderful is Josephine? I want her to be my real life best friend. And yeah, it sounds clingy and it sounds desperate and it sounds weird. And I already have best friends. But you know what? She made me feel so bloody good. And people like that are rare. And no wonder so many people love her and gravitate towards her because that kind of energy is priceless. Okay, so I will see you back here in a couple of weeks' time. I hope you have a wonderful life till then. Um, And don't forget that if you're going through it at the moment and life's just a bit shit, it's going to get better. Oh my God, it always does. It really does. I had such a bad time this past couple of months year and um oh my god amazing things have happened for me recently and i feel so grateful for it so just keep holding on keep going life's gonna be okay all right speak to you soon